You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 30. What we are suffering now is nothing compared to with our future glory. Everything God created looks forward to the future. That will be the time when his children appear in their full and final glory. The created world was held back from from fulfilling its purpose, but that was not the result of its own choice. It was planned that way by the one who held it back. God planned to set the created world free. He did not want it to run away. Instead, God wanted it to have the same freedom and glory that his children had. We know that all that God created has been groaning. It is in pain as if we are giving birth to a child. The created world continues to groan even now. And that's not all. We have the Holy Spirit as the promise for the future blessing. But we also groan inside ourselves. We do this as we look forward into the time when God adopts us as full members of his family. Then he will give us everything he has for us. He will raise our bodies and give glory to them. That's the hope we have when we are saved. But hope that can be seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? We hope for what we don't have yet. So we are patient as we wait for it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us when we are weak. We do not know what we should pray for, but the Spirit itself prays for us. He prays through groans too deep for words. God, who looks into our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. And the Spirit prays for God's people just as God wants him to pray. We know that all the things that God works for the good good of those who love him has he appointed then he has to be saved in keeping with its purpose god planned that those who had chosen would become like his son in that way christ will be the first and most honored among many brothers and sisters and those god has planned for has also, he also has appointed them to be saved those he had, has appointed he has made right with himself. To those who he has made right with, he has given his glory. In 2015, my wife Adele, her father wasn't well. While his cancer diagnosis was some years earlier, the treatments had seemed to work. But there was one day when he found a lump on his chest and after a blur of scans and tests came the worst possible news, cancer had spread throughout his body, invading his kidneys, his intestines. And the family received news no one wants to ever hear that it was stage four cancer and he was given three months to live. So his life insurance was paid out and he left work to spend quality time with the family. And I remember Adele felt the weight that Christmas had to be really special that year. I remember Adele leaving our New Year's Eve party early so she could join her father at his ICU bedside as they peered out the window and watched the fireworks for what they thought would be the last time. See, sadly, sadly, stories like this um, uh, touch most of us. It's tragically normal. There's suffering in our world and our lives that sometimes leave us with no words. Moments in life 
when the harsh reality of suffering actually arrives at our doorstep. And out of nowhere, our world is shaken, whether it's the death of a family member, the despair of a miscarriage, the regret of a relationship breakdown, the fear of a redundancy. How do we respond with such suffering? So on one hand, we can play it, it down for ourselves and others. We can do the whole Aussie, she'll be right, mate. We can minimize our and other people's suffering, thinking we should just harden up, grin and push on. But the other extreme, we can fall into the despair, crippled by our hardships. We can think God is punishing us or is distant from our pain. We can put our heads in the sand and just say, don't ask, medicating ourselves in pleasures like booze and drugs and shopping and sport, food and sex, or just our jobs. But suffering just doesn't go away. Eventually something happens and the problem of suffering shakes us at the core of our humanity. We can be left asking, how can an all-powerful and all-loving God allow this to happen to me and my loved one? I just want to say the biblical account for suffering certainly doesn't give us concise answers. The Bible certainly doesn't answer all our many questions, but what it does do is it gauges with our mess and our pain in a meaningful way. Today we begin a new series called God in the Everyday, and we're thinking about suffering today. And in our limited time, I won't be able to address all your questions about suffering. But as we open God's word today, we'll see that with Jesus, our suffering isn't wasted. We'll see that our suffering is real, that our suffering isn't alone, that our suffering has hope, and that our suffering grows us. Our suffering is very real. See, our world has different approaches to suffering. If we think about Buddhism, all suffering is denied. It is presented as not real, an illusion. And the problem of isn't the suffering itself, but our desires are the problem. So if we're feeling grief over the death of a loved one, we're to find enlightenment by discovering our feelings were too attached. Or there's Hinduism, where suffering is deserved, where all human suffering is karma or balance, from past evils committed either in this present life or in a past life. So the goal is to escape the body in a state of nirvana. In Hindu families, in fact, when a child dies, there's this resigned acceptance that they are to blame. And then in Islam, where suffering is seen as determined, that everything in our world is according to Allah's divine plan and it's actually blasphemy to question his will. So the faithful response is to just carry on. How about atheism? Where suffering is don't even bother to ask. People like Dawkins say suffering is natural, it's part of the everyday world and there's no more rhyme or reason to our suffering which is actually a contradiction to the theories of natural selection, but I digress. In atheism, it says, don't ask why, because there's no comfort to ever be found. Well, thinking about the suffering that has touched you, these explanations, it's not real, it's deserved, it's determined, or don't ask, don't seem to cut it. While some of these answers to suffering are clear and they might make sense intellectually, but in the strange, dark, 
reality of our suffering. They don't sufficiently address our experiences as we ask why. See, compared to these other worldviews, I think the Bible is the most honest about the reality of suffering. In verse 22 of our passage in Romans 8, this problem of suffering is so widespread and so huge that it affects the whole of creation. For the dads here, you might remember that painful part of your wife's labor. Um, and imagine in that moment you said to her, your pain is not real or that she deserves it, you, you would get punched in the face. <laughs> but in verse 22, Paul says, the groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. This is a really honest description about how painful suffering is that impacts the whole world that we live. Subject to frustration, bondage, decay. I will get back to this. In verse 23, suffering also affects every one of us as individuals. Paul says that those with a spirit groan inwardly. Being a Christian isn't some kind of insurance against experiencing difficulties in life. In fact, Peter says, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal as though something strange is happening to you. Just be around on earth long enough and we'll be all touched by suffering in some way scarred by the relationship breakdown, thrown by that medical diagnosis or that health issue that's becoming more and more consuming or the pain of that parent who no longer recognises us. So if suffering is real, what are the causes of suffering? Well, much of our suffering involves the evil actions of others. We see human-inflicted suffering at a systemic level, the, the powerful oppressing the poor. Maybe you visited a country where there's these super wealthy shopping malls right next to a shanty towns where the homes are made of cardboard. Or in the Ukraine war, there's been a complete indifference to human life. Or on the Pacific Islands, they're literally losing land due to human-induced climate change. Humans have the ability to do so much good, but also cause so much suffering to others. Hinduism has some truth. Sometimes our suffering is from ourselves. Think about it. If we smoke a pack a day or drink a bowl of wine a day and we end up with lung or liver damage, well, or if we're horrible to people and we find they are isolating from us, the suffering is self-imposed from going against God's good order in this world. The point is that we are all victims of suffering, but also responsible for suffering to others. But much of our suffering also has no human involvement at all. While our creation is beautiful and spectacular, something has gone seriously wrong with our world. Remember the Boxing Day tsunami in 2004? The tectonic plates shifting, starting tsunamis that killed 227,000 people in Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Thailand and India. Right now, California bushfires rage. In South Kentucky, the US floods are destroying homes. How about COVID-19? Continually mutating into new variants and escaping vaccines causing three years of devastation and death. Recently, Victoria had over 40 deaths in our 
in one day, or cancer growing and invading healthy cells in our bodies. See, after this passage, Paul speaks of Christ conquering the presence of evil when some suffering is from the work of Satan and his forces still reaping havoc in this world. But in verse 20, we can't ignore that it's by the will of the one subjecting his frustration in hope. It's actually referring to God. At the start of the Bible in Genesis 3, the first humans, Adam and Eve, arrogantly made themselves independent from God and disobeyed him. So God frustrated our world, suffering being God's righteous judgment because of sin. And this whole creation and every human since has been impacted. In Genesis 3.17, God said our ground is cursed, work has become hard, everyone would die. Thinking about this fall, suffering in itself is really bad. It's not the way things should be. Our passage says that the creation in us waits in eager expectation for a time when we'll be saved from all suffering. You know, it's Friday night and you're starving and you're at the takeaway shop and you're waiting for your order behind a big queue and your mouth is salivating, waiting in eager expectation to dig in and eat. Well, God can use our suffering for good. But that expectation inside of us wanting all suffering to be gone is a really good desire. We also have to be careful when we're thinking about the problem of sin and suffering. Suffering in our world is from the result of sin in general. general. And I want to be clear that doesn't mean certain moments of suffering in our lives is a result of a specific sin that we have done. It can be from our fallen world or forces of evil or from other people. Job is a guy in the Old Testament. God allowed Satan to cause Job to suffer in a significant way, taking away his wife, his family, wealth, everything. And so at his lowest moment, Job's well-meaning friends come along and victim blame him for his suffering, saying, if God is just, then his suffering must be deserved. While there is some truth, in many ways we deserve the brokenness of this world. But God makes it clear that Job's friends were completely wrong, that Job suffers innocently. Let us not be like Job's friends. The Bible calls us to acknowledge the reality of suffering in each other's lives. In fact, weeping with those who weep, entering each other's pain. But considering Job, Bad people don't have worse lives than good people. You may have had a really hard life. It may feel like all you know is hit after hit, decade after decade, while other people just skate through life just fine. Suffering is real and it's also not fair. Our suffering isn't alone. See, God can be trusted in our suffering. We can ask God why, because he has first-hand experience of it. Deeply moved by our pain, the God who is in control of all things in Jesus willingly enters our creation and out of love does something about all our suffering and pain. On the cross, the chosen one rejected. The King of Kings mocked. The Son of God abandoned. Breathing his last, cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why God? 
See, Jesus more than understands our worst experiences of pain. Shedding his blood, he suffered in our place for our sin, for our contribution of suffering in this world. And Jesus' suffering is very real, not only physically, but he was forsaken by his Father. On the cross, he took all the pain and rejection, darkness of the whole world, and the full force of judgment for it. His suffering was more painful and isolating than our worst moments. See, the problem with these other religions and atheism is their responses to suffering actually distances God from our experiences of suffering. In Jesus, we have a God who sympathizes with and draws near to our pain. And he gets it because he's gone through it. So suffering can actually strengthen our relationship with God like nothing else in life can. Driving us to pray like we've never otherwise would. Have you experienced this? See, unlike other faiths, the Bible encourages us to question God in our pain, to plead for some response to our afflictions like Job does. God shows us to suffer well by running to him with everything. Do you know those painful times when our thoughts and our words fail and when we have absolutely nothing left but groans? In verses 26 and 27, in these moments of weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us and we get caught up into this prayer involving the Trinity, which is unbelievable. And it says the Holy Spirit prays on your behalf according to the Father's good will. This is amazing. God is with us in the darkness and pain. We are not alone. See, on the cross, when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He quotes Psalm 22. And the psalmist is pretty much yelling at God in his pain. Please read the, this psalm this week. While we are to be reverent before God, when we always see his darkness, God encourages us to bring all our doubts and anger, fears and pain to God Along with all our raw emotion, God is powerful enough and loving enough to take it all and bring it to him. This is right worship. See, the other option is we shut God out and not ask the one who intimately knows our suffering firsthand. This option is devastating. In the worst times of suffering, often we pray to actually get around the suffering and by his grace, he heals bodies and restores relationships and provides, ends wars and saves. But God, what God does guarantee is that he graciously goes through the suffering with us. We aren't alone in our troubles. Our suffering has hope. See, some argue that suffering is hopeless and disproves God. You may have heard the argument, if God is all-powerful, he could end all suffering. And if God is all-loving, he would want to end all suffering right now. The Bible clearly declares that God is creator, completely in control. He is also love and cannot do evil. These ideas of God's sovereignty and human freedom can lead us into these rabbit holes about where evil comes from. But I'll say this. God is 100% powerful and 100% loving and suffering 100% exists in the world. And God has loving reasons to allow suffering in the world 
and those who say this is a contradiction should prove how. See, the Bible shows us that God is in the business of transforming our present suffering for good. In our passage today, Paul also gives us hope by providing this timeline of salvation to show when all suffering will be eradicated. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. See, our suffering right now must be seen in the light of our future glory. If we think about our salvation, if you trust in Jesus and have faith and received his gift of grace, you are already saved. You're already adopted as God's sons and daughters. The price has been paid because of Jesus' suffering for us. Your salvation is complete. However, as, as discussed in verse 23, we also eagerly, wait eagerly, hopeful for a future day when we'll experience this salvation in full. And while Hinduism is about escaping the physical world, on this day, our physical bodies will be made new and our sinful natures that cause others to suffer gone. See, sometimes we think heaven is sitting around on a cloud, but this renewal is not only spiritual, but physical. God will also make our creation new. This is a great source of comfort and hope for us. If your bodies don't work as they should, if you have a disability or illness in the new creation, Jesus' resurrection power will make them new and perfect. If you're anxious about the effects of climate change, we can care for it now knowing one day this world will be set free from all the damage humans have done to it. And so as we consider our suffering now with the Holy Spirit, we're guaranteed of a time when all our troubles will end. Revelation 21.4 He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain the old order of things has passed away. And between now and that day with Jesus, our suffering isn't wasted. See, in our culture, it says that all suffering, anything results in negative feelings, needs to be managed by a specialist or removed from our lives. Tim Keller refers to a Christian psychologist who controversially states in their field that some suffering is actually productive. He argues that new research shows that a depressed person can become wiser and more realistic about life than, non, than a non-depressed person who tends to overestimate their control over their lives. Look, depression can be really painful. And while suffering in itself isn't good, my next point is that with Jesus, our suffering grows us. See, outside of Jesus, our suffering can be wasted pain, just a tragic story where it makes sense not to ask why. But with Jesus, our suffering isn't always removed, but it is redeemed. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that it produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. In other translations, the word glory is rejoice. With the Holy Spirit, we rejoice in our sufferings. Not denying suffering like Buddhism or fake Christianity where we deny reality. The Spirit transforms us in the worst circumstances. 
where our suffering can't make us more righteous before God, it causes us to invite God in in new ways. My father-in-law miraculously responded to, to an experimental cancer treatment and is remarkably still alive today. But the point is, his suffering led him to love and serve others in new ways. He spent a lot of time in hospital wards surrounded by many dying people, and God used his horrible experiences to boldly share how he's known real hope and comfort in Jesus to people who are suffering like him. He became friends with this dying anorexic girl and shared his faith to her in circumstances others couldn't. And when he was really unwell, members of his church grew as they served together in new ways, providing support and learning to pray more than before. Verse 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But suffering doesn't automatically mean that we grow. We have to intentionally allow the Holy Spirit to use our painful times. Over the last few months, my attendance at the gym has been, well, less than frequent, shall I say. And uh, recently I went back to the gym and I really struggled. Before the pin was down here and now it was here. Before the weights was this and now it was this. See, the gym exposes uh, the deficiencies in strength and fitness and endurance and even appearance. There's nowhere to hide while I can wear a baggy jumper that usually works to hide things. At the gym, I can't hide my additional time on the couch and snacks as well. See, like the gym, suffering exposes weaknesses in our character that needs to be strengthened, exposes our blind spots and reminds us we are vulnerable and desperately need God. What weaknesses is God wanting to train? When under pressure, to reflexively control everything, criticize, to worry, to not forgive, to be too fragile or self-centered. See, suffering brings these flaws to the surface in ways that can no longer just ignore. Suffering also exposes those good things outside of Jesus that have maybe become too important to us, sometimes taking Jesus' place. Hardships can show that these things actually fail us whether putting our identity in our careers or our finances or our looks or certain relationships. See, pain trains us to hold these things more loosely as we cling to Jesus more tightly. Hebrews 12 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I remember in 2010, I left my full-time career and started a Bible college. And while I loved college life and learning about God, it was a really difficult time where God was training my weaknesses, letting go of the pride that I had in my career, the security and comforts I had in a certain salary. I felt isolated as I moved back from interstate and some friends had moved on. I had health issues and God was using uncomfortable things to strengthen some of my weaknesses. What has recent trouble exposed in your life? What weaknesses can you no longer ignore, invite God in? 
So we need to be spiritually prepared for suffering by clinging to Jesus in the good times and in the smaller difficulties, because with Jesus, our pain isn't wasted. God doesn't deny our pain. He doesn't say we deserve it. He's not distant from us. With Jesus, our suffering is very real. Our suffering isn't alone. Our suffering has hope and our suffering grows us. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.